Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Time to dazzle. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 609, Collision Course Part 2, is sponsored by Sarge's Shelter Charges. They'll scar you for life. Pete focused on S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, but meanwhile, over on the Pop Culture Podcast feed and our Marvel Movie Podcast feed, we are raising our eyes from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., from battles in the Midwest and, uh, and in space, to battles across Europe, and secretly something in space in our Spider-Man Far From Home podcast. Absolutely. If you have checked out the film and you're eager for talk on the last announced Marvel Cinematic Universe movie until Black Widow gets formally announced next week at San Diego Comic-Con. You can check that out now. And then, Matt, there's something else on the horizon that we'll be recording this weekend. Should be available, like, Monday, I'm, I'm figuring. Yeah, somewhere in there. A Marvel movie podcast topic suggested by a listener. That's all we're going to say, I guess, other than Pete. I have questions. And I have answers. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser here, Sarge's truck speeds towards Izel's tower as her ship looms over it. Yo-Yo tells Mac, there's six minutes till impact. We get a number of updates on the time. Pete, that's what's called your uh, counting clock or countdown, a staple of dramatic narrative tension, which all adds to this notion that heavy lies Max Crown, at least figuratively, Pete. He's not really a king nor queen. Can the Quinjet extract our heroes? Why is Mac doing this? What are we missing? Cut to Zephyr 1, where Sarge isn't that concerned about the fast lady with robot arms. They've got a doohickey for that. And Pete, Jocko, and Pax are ready to dive on in. It's a shame Snow was left behind. Pete, in this teaser act, we have set up so many pieces to, to pick from for the rest of the episode. They have the shelter charges are checked here for the abnormally fast lady with the metal arms. Once they go up, nobody gets in or out. Remember that, Matt. Um, and though she is a abnormally uh, fast pain in the butt. Uh, they're going to lock her out there. Something that's going to figure large, uh, later in the story. Um, and Pax has seen these up close and it's not pretty. We get the title card and then Pete, you remember how in the teaser act you said there were six minutes to go? Well, Fitzsimmons are still stuck on the ship, even though it's going to land in, Five minutes. You see, Pete, counting clock, countdown. Uh, oh, and that missing crew, that zombified crew, it has arrived. They're on the lower deck area. Is it a pathogen? No, it's Izel, who admits making the rogues more mindless fools. Pete, sweet burn on mustache guy and other guy. Yes, these rogues, they don't need them. She gave them a higher purpose Fitzsimmons afraid they might wind up like them, but uh, she has uh, estimated their value and it's more than them. She needs Terran expertise. On to the truck, because Pete, this is not a single spear-like story. This is not a dual-headed story. This is a, a trident-like monstrous wonderful roller coaster story all meant to be positive there we're on the truck mighty deke can't stop this alien bomb and can't his bay snowflake give more info she explains it is an atom bomb of sorts time for deke to dazzle three minutes may tells us here till collision uh snowflake ready for her consciousness to melt into the cosmos, to join the infinite. She knows nothing about this, uh, except what she described as effectually uh, that Daisy reasons an atom bomb. And uh, she hears it's pretty. 
aboard Zephyr One, Mac orders Agent Diaz to take the controls, and suddenly there is gunfire. Diaz is hit in the shoulder. Didn't see this one coming, did you, Mac? Yes, Mac's hands are up. He's going to get uh, handcuffed to the cockpit area. Uh, the the field goes up to stop Yo-Yo. Davis is now flying Zephyr One, ordered to turn it around. Dire times here for our heroes. Back to the truck. Deke may just be able to save the day. Bleep bloop or not. He apologizes and all of a sudden Snowflake that has been so so happy to to help usher people to the great beyond. She is not fine at all. All of this as the truck barrels closer and closer and Quake kind of leaps off frame to end the act which Pete initially I was like, "Huh, I don't understand what's going on here at the end of the act." That's the point, Pete. I kept glued to my screen watching those commercials so I could find out what happens when the show returns. This is how it's supposed to work. Act two, the truck hits, the shrikes swarm away, the tower topples, and Daisy has her hands around the device. Well, that worked. Now, Pete, can we assume that she is not pushing the atom bomb explosion back into the bomb, but rather just just cushioning the bomb? Uh, Because I think the latter would make more sense than my initial thought, which was the former. Could it have helped to, I don't know, as we've talked a little bit with some Marvel Cinematic Universe TV lately, to just give one line of exposition, oh, I cradled that so it didn't blow up, or good job holding the football, or something like that. It could have. It's something we'll chew over in level seven. Uh, luckily, though, Pete, with everybody okay, Deke and Snow kiss. Gross, says uh, says uh, Quake, although I think May shares the opinion as well. Up to Zephyr 1, Sarge is furious. However, this isn't his first warhead. Pete, higher, higher up, Izel in space, 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 or at least upper atmosphere. I don't know, Pete. I don't know what that line is when you go from inner space to upper atmosphere but Izel feels the danger did Fitzsimmons know that that the tower would be attacked now she's going to turn her ship around it's headed to the upper atmosphere while she wonders if he is here is earth more hostile uh perhaps uh the dual notion there Sarge orders Davis to pursue and Pax suddenly uh with wishes by him uh, tells Yo-Yo that it's too late. The bridge has been taken. Mac reasons on the bridge that there are teams in play, that Snowflake is still out there, uh, but Sarge maintains no one slows them down. And Jacko, his feelings split here. He says, Snow is not no one. She's been with them for years but they've been chasing Azel longer and Snowflake knew the risks. And just then a gagged Pax shows up outside of the shelter charges here. He's the bait. His face is pushed into it. And then Sarge puts him out of his misery before Jacko winds up outside of the shelter charge so that he can take care of the fast lady that won't slow them down. Pete, shocking moment there to see Sarge, who I know is one tough ombre, but to see him shoot Pax dead to make the Pax problem go away, uh, certainly a chilling moment. Back to the truck we go. Everything's a mess. Quake is talking about Deacon Snow. Uh, May and Quake uh, exit the truck, see the strike storm, which leads to them closing the door quickly. Uh, a moment of levity. I, I don't know if it was intended to be funny. Um, I'm not trying to sound negative here. I don't know to what degree they're like, this will give people a chuckle, but it gave me a chuckle. Hey, let's see what's outside. Oh no, it's terrible. Quick, close the door. Uh, and to make things worse, Pete, the repeller is on the fritz. That means that they don't have much time. Yes, without it, uh, Snowflake has never stuck around long enough to find out what the Shrikes do. In space, Fitzsimmons discuss that in the year that they've been away, has anybody changed the distress code? Thankfully not. Shield 226, do you copy? 
Davis says that he is shield 226 as well. And there's a moment of confusion for Simmons and the audience. Then the light bulb goes off. They are both uh, relaying a distress code to each other to say there is a problem here. Uh, really, really compact and well-presented moment here. Sarge, of course, reads through it at least a bit, uh, puts his gun, which, by the way, awesome gun design, uh, but puts his gun to Davis's neck. Radio communications now established between our two villains. Sarge says to Izel, I'm coming for you, Izel. Izel says, so you finally remember my name. I'll help you remember yours. Gasp to end the act. Act three and Fitzsimmons discuss why he sounds like Coulson. Izel says that Sarge is still not sure what to call himself, but he's never put much stock in names. He prefers actions. He arrived at Kronika. Uh, she had already infected the planet. It was a severed limb, Matt, uh, and he stopped the spread. But this hero here, he's only interested in saving his own skin, just the one he's wearing. What? Pete, what has been taken from him? He mentions the loss of his family, his home which we've heard before. He adds to it something I think we've heard before, his memories. Then the Izel says... The woman he, he loved. Yes. Izel says that he never had memories. Oh, man, Pete, I wish we had a segment dedicated towards theories. Oh, wait, we do. More on that in a bit. Uh, this back and forth, though, convinces Izel that Fitzsimmons were conspiring against her, even though they're anti-conspiratorial. Uh, luckily, they're also trained S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. They steal guns from the bad guys and go on the run. They knew somebody who was like him, but he's dead. Lies. And they're trying to save their own skin. Fitz has an idea, which means we're back to the truck where the windows that Tinker designed can withstand any type of... Wait, what's that, Matt? Pounding on the windows outside. Uh, those would be Shrike. One gets through... Deke screams, great camera shot here as the computer-generated Shrike goes towards Deke's mouth. May stabs it, or May at least puts the knife in the path of it. I guess it counts as a stab. That'll shut up, Deke. This just a wonderful moment here in a really solid episode. They begin to board up all of the entry points into the truck to Jacko and Yo-Yo here where uh, he explains to her he's trying to save the planet, that they've made sacrifices, that Sarge is doing the best that he can. He's been at this a while. He wasn't always a killer. Just the way he was a baker, the runt of the litter. But his family would want him to stop the beast that took them away from him. Back up on the bridge, Sarge is ordering uh essentially higher faster quicker baby uh mac is convinced that he'll be on the up and up soon and with that throws his cuffs at sarge mac of course having gotten the key from yo-yo briefly uh before there's a great great fist fight that unfolds here mac gets sarge into a sleeper hold sarge gets out of it it's a rough fight with harsh punches but uh, ultimately sarge gets felled and pete i believe you heard from a whippersnapper on Twitter, uh, a little bit about this fight. Yes, one of the participants, I had tweeted at the venerable Clark Gregg, Matt, that uh, maybe Sarge might have broken out his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Fans of Clark Gregg, of course, will know that he has studied that for a number of years. So I tweeted, the nastiest fight at Clark Gregg has ever been in Break out that BJJ, Sarge, hashtag Marvel, hashtag Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., to which he responded, Sarge should have trained, hashtag BJJ, six months later, and I'm still sore from that badass fight by at Stunts Unlimited, hashtag Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, with that, Pete, with those words, Jacko and Yo-Yo arrive. It's over, Sarge, to end the act. Sarge awakes. However, he is in the containment pod. Mac and Yo-Yo are going over the plan. This is a straight extraction. They are not to engage the beast. And 
they don't have the blades. So Yo-Yo asks, what do they do if they see a bird zombie? Is it a bird zombie or a zombie bird, Matt? I put that out for Twitter to help us decide as well. I think it's kind of potato, potato. What I did find interesting about this scene is we have series regular Mac, series regular Yo-Yo, uh, the luminous uh, Jocko coming as well. And Davis, we'll stick a pin in that for a little bit later. Um, Sarge definitely not coming, not allowed to play with the other children here. Um, then we head back to the truck where they're going to be swarmed. With that, Daisy opens the door wide. What's she doing? It's a choke point. Uh, she's ready to use her powers, Pete. This There's always a double-edged sword when you have powered people as part of your story because if they use their powers all the time then you'd have shorter stories and if they never use them then you'd say hey why are they powered here the show kind of meeting at the middle point uh the shrike enter she shatters them and the very affirmative exchange here snowflake says are all the females on your planet this powerful and may knowingly says yes they are great effect sequence here by Mark Kolpak and his team back to Fitzsimmons hiding on the ascending spaceship. Simmons apparently smells nice. They're that close. The Quinjet docks and our heroes repel in. Davis takes point because he knows the ship and story. Uh, also, about 10 seconds later, Jacko is next to him. Uh, maybe it's a, a dual point maneuver, Pete. I'm no military SWAT guy. I don't know. I know this, Pete. They are going to try and make this as peaceful, as bloodless as possible. Bang, bang. Jacko shoots the first person they see. Mac is ready to chastise him. But then that crew member jumps back to life. Uh, good call, says Mac. Pete. That proves that Mac is a good boss, willing to adapt to the situations, etc., etc. Time to find their friends. Fitzsimmons hear the shooting. They've never been so happy to hear artillery, but they are quickly found by the zombified crew. Uh, Mac and uh, Yo-Yo save them. There's a quick turbo hug, if that's not redundant. Um, Jacko and Davis, uh, get closer to the humming Izell. They can end this, but wait, we're, those weren't the rules. That's not the plan, but Davis okays it. He's going to go the other way where they will separate for a moment where one can't be seen. And suddenly Davis is at the top. He is totally not Izell. That makes me feel relieved pete because we did lose momentary track of davis which normally wouldn't be a big deal because he's kind of one of the less important people but i have some concerns by the end of the episode uh ultimately though jacko and davis meet up with mac and company including fitzsimmons it's time to leave but the exit is blocked by zombies with that they get into the airlock flashes of the early episodes of this season pete where i'm like hey the airlock is not a way out when space is on the other side Luckily, Jacko is going to use his coat to transport them. Simmons likes him. I, I don't mean to say that in a suggestive manner, Pete. She's just impressed by his science and ingenuity. It's uh, because he's likable. Yes, delivered with such panache there. Uh, on the truck, Fitzsimmons rejoins the crew. Great use of false tension. Not a slam at all. It's false for we, the audience. It's real for quake and company inside the truck when they hear boom footsteps coming around yay everybody is back together pete episode 609 it's agents of shield reuniting the big guy saved the day uh then all of a sudden he has the bomb he's going to complete the mission everyone's shocked snow is sad don't worry he'll be a butterfly pete i feel moved he goes through the portal here, emerges in the airlock, starts breathing fire after the uh, the vape comes out of his nostrils here, and the ship explodes with Izel completely on it. Well, that is a relief, Pete, since this is the end of the season, and we don't need anybody to drive villainy for the next four episodes, but ultimately, boom, ship gone, end of the act. On the other side of that act break, it's cheers, Pete, and 
Ben Deary beer is back. You know, I'm I'm gonna make a a, a public proclamation slash plea. We know that they are filming season seven of Agents of Shield now, which could be the end. Hopefully it's not. But when the end finally comes, Matt, I, I just I really like for an opportunity to have a Ben Deary beer, perhaps with the the producers, the talent for which we podcast. Hey, you know what, Pete? You put it out there to the universe. You never know. Fingers crossed, etc. Everybody is getting reacquainted here. Max ready for some stories from space. Uh, Quake is back for even more bizarre stuff. Her question to him, will he take his shot with Yo-Yo? Over to May and Yo-Yo here. Um, and May confessing that she should have killed Sarge the moment she saw him. Um, and that they got Jacko to join them. Uh, that they drink to Jacko here. Then over to Piper and Davis. Haven't seen Piper in a little bit, but granted, it's been hectic. Um, Davis, you know, narrowly escaped death. You could say that again. Uh, he's got that spawn running around at home. Wait, wait, Davis, you're sleepy? Oh, poor guy. What with the spawn at home? Here's a pillow as you just ate. Pete, people drinking to falling asleep. Oh, this way. You have a little dranky drink after a tough mission, literally in space. I don't fault Davis or Davis in quotes for falling asleep. There's a certain point here where maybe somebody should be like, hey, let's get the doc to check on him. Although I get it. I get it that they're saving it for a future episode. But I just want to say, hey, if you have a friend who passes out while drinking maybe keep an eye on them or get your doctor friend who hasn't shown up in the last couple episodes to check him out i was gonna also. say if only dr benson could also be in on the bendiri beer party well thus is the way it is uh fitz and deke catch up though fitz doesn't know him this is such a wonderful bit of story here and pete i know you know there have been episodes this season where we you know, sometimes our love for the show can be a little a little harsh. Here, you know, this nothing but love here. It's it's comedy gold to have Deke going at 110 miles per hour, uh, which is a fast number of kilometers per hour for those of you abroad. Uh, and Fitz just in the slow lane because he has no idea who this guy is. It's just leaning into the ridiculousness uh, of, of everything that, that's going on. But hey, multiverse Bobo. Yes, over darts, no less. He proudly, Deke does, shows off the 40,000 square foot uh, company. You're going to bear fruit. You got to sit down roots. Speaking of which, he can buy them a castle in Scotland. And uh, Zima, unfortunately, has uh, reared its ugly head here as well. Uh, I would have to check. I guess they, they must still make Zima in small quantities available at your local liquor store for those 21 and up right like it must still be a thing i guess um but deke can deke wants to learn more about scotland which has fits uh you know his ears prick up deke could take them to a castle no buy them a castle no literally any castle deke can buy great moment to uh brb says deke who catches up with snow just as security takes sarge by take him away boys it wasn't personal and uh, Daisy wonders why Snowflake, you know, the murderer, isn't in lockup. Lock him up, boys. And then we get the obligatory toast from Mac to the ones who have served from the beginning to those whose missions, whose journey has just begun. Looking at you, Deke, as a regular Jeff Ward of some of these episodes in season six, but definitely all of the rest to the agents they've lost to those who have returned those that stand by us at our best and our worst. Uh, without them, there is no shield. Everyone drinks except, you know, Davis later we get a montage Daisy unpacking 
Fitzsimmons happy. Davis still passed out while Piper is taking mildly embarrassing pictures with him. Deke delivering Snow a TV in her lockup. And May looking at Colson's badge. Uh, with that, Mac goes to visit Yo-Yo. He screwed up. She's always on his mind. He isn't asking for forgiveness today, but wants to start to earn it. He leaves, but the door shuts. She can take it slow with him as they kiss to end the act. The tag has Sarge receive a visitor revealed to be May. Uh, she's not really in the mood to talk. He gets it. Instead, she shoots him three times and one final time in the head. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. We start, of course, with Sarge. Some more context given here for Sarge. Uh, particularly, we've heard uh, you know, about the loss of his family, his home, the woman he loved, etc. To have these added layers of this is just a skin that he is inhabiting and he doesn't have real memories certainly adds to, I think, our understanding of Sarge's frustration, Sarge's anger, and I certainly am not in any way trying to suggest that there's fault with Clark Gregg's performance, but in that Sarge is kind of this relentless force moving forward, we better understand that now. I want to understand the the name, the lack of memories, what's going on. I mean... The idea of, of skins being floated in this episode, which we'll explore more thoroughly in the next segment. But uh, for Sarge to have that throwdown with Mac and to more than hold his own against a person of superior size really, to me, underscored the desire, the will that he has to overcome his L. And that leads, of course, into Izel, the other villain here. Uh, I think that whatever sympathy we had for her in previous episodes, that probably ended with last episode, where I can't see a positive upside. I can't see a misinterpretation where, oh, she's actually a goodie uh, in that she's building the, or, you know, by proxy is building this uh, Shrike Tower and whatnot seems pretty clear that she's bent on world destruction as we have seen in the past uh, a little bit. And we've heard about from Sarge's crew. So Izel, who appears to be dead more on that in a little bit, uh, certainly probably the most villainous aspect of the episode. Three quarters through the season here, you figure we will learn now that we have identified the big bad, more about the nature beyond the connection to the Shrike, the beast moniker that's repeatedly been laid upon her, her abilities and her reasons. Well, Pete, we have seen Izel and Sarge alike try so hard as they cross the universe, trying to get resources to make their missions possible. And you know what? Our mission is always made easier by those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. We don't need to be handing out space shrooms or using special coat transportation, spray paint things. We have it all from our listeners. As we head into San Diego Comic-Con coverage next week, Nobody makes it easier for us to bring you our thing than the people who head to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. All sorts of levels to contribute at only takes a dollar to get yourself in the door and everybody gets exclusive podcast content. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. This higher purpose that Izel has given the crew that is now gone, is this what has taken hold in Davis? Is it something different? What even was it? Well, I have a difficult time imagining that Izel or the force inside her or the Izel monster, whatever you'd like to call it, I have a hard time believing that that force is now gone, particularly since... <laughs> this episode seemingly kills off Izel and Sarge. Uh, between the two of them, they have been the antagonists for the entire 
uh, season thus far. I would project moving forward again, maybe hopefully this wasn't covered by the preview. I never watched the preview. Um, I would imagine that Izel had the Izel monster, the Uber parasite, the queen bee, whatever inside her. And that there was a quick transfer. I would bet that we get some sort of revelation of that in, um, in a coming episode to see the big the the big giant slimy slug thing that's even grosser than the strike bats uh going into davis uh ultimately it's the only thing that makes sense because we lose azel off screen like you know she is killed off screen that is an unacceptable outcome particularly for a show that needs an antagonist is the tower made of strikes it gets hit the shrikes swarm out. Are are the shrikes both, uh, you know, Lego building blocks and their own entities? If this is a particular topic that was covered in the early episodes, then it certainly was not made clear enough for it to stick around. Uh, which is a long way of saying, Pete, I had the same concern too. I know what twenty shrike. Uh, infested people showed up in that field and did their crystal scream thing and then the tower was created from there so 20 shrike people turned into crystals when the tower finally explodes there's now hundreds of shrike i guess the only logical conclusion is that the towers are some sort of incubator or uh, multiplier or reproductive function um Again, was that hammered home completely to me uh, prior to the tower being exploded and all these strike appearing? No, it was not. So Daisy is able to use her powers not only to defeat the strike, but to keep the atom bomb from exploding. Uh, Did she cradle it? Did she make it not go off? Did she... I, I thought initially she she held it all in there that she could contain the explosion, but never projected the power elsewhere. So obviously, um, you know, the, the transformative law, uh, you can't create energy. You can't, uh, you know, stop it. You got to transfer it. Um, clearly she, uh, she cradled it, right? It certainly looked like it was, you know, mid explosion a la, Captain America Civil War, that kind of thing. Um, if the show wants the out of, well, it was a space bomb, but we had done so many space some things, you know, using space as a as an adjective slash prefix, you know, that we thought that joke was played out. And we we had that line of explanation. You guys always say, add one more line to explain it. We did, and we thought it was cumbersome to say she could do that because it's a space atom bomb. You know, eh. Again, it's one of those things where if you call it an atom bomb, I don't know much about atom bombs or nuclear bombs, but I know that atom bombs are like version one and nuclear bombs or hydrogen bombs or something are, are more advanced. If you had they called, you know, had they said this is like an atom bomb. All right. Well, that means that all the rules don't need to apply. So if space things that are like atom bombs can be exploded, but then recharged by virtue of super magic story comic book powers it was a moment of confusion i feel like that's ultimately that's the message if your audience is confused and you don't want them to be confused like we should be confused i didn't see uh the villainous die in this episode that is confusing yeah that's on purpose as for this bomb you know not an ideal amount of confusion but ultimately pete the bomb gets recharged we know that jacko takes the bomb and explodes again so you know, it all works out in the end, unless you're Jacko. There's such a yin-yang relationship between Sarge and Izzel. And here with the notion of finally remembering her name, wearing skin, if we're led to believe that she has assumed the identity of Davis, that maybe the form that we saw her in was something else she had uh, absorbed, taken over, um, you know, not only the, the Colson question of where did Sarge acquire this skin and that he's 
hundreds of years old or over a hundred years old and been chasing her and they just pick up new skins along the way. It certainly does seem to be, uh, all of this is proof that we are headed towards, uh, an answer that satisfies all these concerns. And I kind of appreciate that because I think part of shield's hallmark over the years has been kind of the out of the blue razzle dazzle, uh, story twist. And it's not that it's so out of the blue that it's unreasonable, but rarely do we kind of get we get clues where we can start to really pick up a structure ahead of time. I think, for example, of Coulson doing the uh, the the carvings at the end of the first season. You know, was that backing into where they wanted to end up? Absolutely. But the audience didn't exactly see where we were going. Versus this now, we are getting this increase of evidence where there you know there could be people on the inside and the person on the outside and those two don't always match up we've seen that on the lower level with the strike zombies and now again increasingly this evidence for uh Izel and sarge being somewhere in that arena just on a higher thinking level this deke snowflake daisy love triangle won't go any place right I love how you've termed that, Pete. Uh, I don't know that for Daisy it is a love triangle. Um, Deke certainly, I'm sure, would love to have the two ladies fighting over him. Um, you know, Snow, I don't know that she <laughs> that she can much recognize Quake beyond, uh, oh, this is somebody who I can let all her energy out through her tummy after I stab her. But there's a ton of story fun ahead to have a love triangle of sorts there. And I hope they dig into it. Second time that a ocean of lava or a fire planet has come up. Uh, is this, uh, you know, symmetrical? Uh, Pete, if you're asking, is it proof that the story will end up uh, on Mustafar, the planet where Darth Vader's uh, castle was, and that this will be the the grand conjoining of the MCU and the Star Wars universe. Though, let's not forget, Star Wars, you know, a long time ago, galaxy far, far away. But, you know, we can do time travel with the, with the time monolith uh, and galactic travel, no big deal. So the short answer is uh, yes, by the end of the season, Matt guarantees Darth Vader fighting Mac. It's all in the same empire. And then lastly from me, Matt, the letter that Daisy unpacks with her name on it. Yes. Can we assume that that was written uh, by Coulson in his final days? I think that that's probably the smartest place for the story to go. It also gives the opportunity for Clark Gregg to play Coulson again. You know, it can be him writing the letter or him narrating the, the words or things of that sort. And um, I think another strength of this season, again, you know, season where we've occasionally given some tough love, but uh, a, a strength this season has been returning to the touchstone of Clark Gregg as Coulson at various points. It might be hollow Coulson, it might be flashback Coulson, but I think there's been this concerted effort to not let too much time go by without Clark Gregg as Coulson. And with these four episodes left, seems to me that we have at least one more outing with him at least for this season pete last one from me i know we've touched on you know has Izel taken over davis's body and whatnot my worry is this my worrisome theory is this if she is a shapeshifter of sorts or if you know if the davis soul is now gone either because he he blew up on the ship or you know they're gonna have to destroy the body to get to the you know the baddie or whatever do you think that we will have by the end of the season the end of davis that's it for the actor etc i don't and something just occurred to me we've not seen sarge and azelle together the woman that he loved and we all assume of course he could be talking about may what if uh, Izel's form with the pink hair was the woman that Sarge was with. I really, really like that. And uh, that would just add extra juice. And I think, too, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is so great about keeping these uh, recurring guest actors kind of in the loop 
you know, if you're good enough to kind of be interesting, even think Pete, I don't remember his name, guy who came through the portal and got stuck halfway through, you know, he was in two episodes. Tinker. Tinker. He was in two episodes. One was him coming through and getting frozen. And then the next episode, Benson is fiddling around with him and he comes back to life. I think that was two episodes. Um, so again, to have, you, you, you know, could you have a scene where Sarge is true backstory and it's the Sarge face and Izell face together as their true people? I mean, that it would be perfect. It would be sad. It would add to the, to the power of the episodes that we've seen and it would be, it would be perfect. Transmissions. Let's check the wire. Pete, we ran our traditional, now traditional, uh, post-Shield uh, poll on Twitter. Uh, what did you think of the episode? 1% gave it one star, shot to the heart. 8% gave it two stars, out like Davis. 13% gave it three stars, Jacko forever. That's EVA. It's the way the cool kids say it, Pete. Uh, then four stars, Bobo, greater than Boba. And uh, pr some pretty hearty voting there. A couple of tweets here. First from Andre Yeager. I can't believe we only have a few episodes left. Quick question. Did Max say Daisy was gone for five years or did I miss here? Are they trying to catch up with Endgame? Pete, your response. It is definitely a reference to the five years Mac has spent with S.H.I.E.L.D. with Daisy. It is not the five years later time frame of endgame also a tweet from james that big killing what a great episode this show this show holds up to anything in the mcu and uh i would certainly agree this was a phenomenal episode of agents of shield clearly their best of the season and one can only hope matt they are peaking here with only four left what communiques do you have pete via facebook matt robert t frost writes in Hello, Matt and Pete. After watching the last episode, I have come up with a left field theory about Sarge slash Coulson, Izell, and the forthcoming showdown. My theory has its start back in season four when Coulson made his deal with the spirit of vengeance and he became the ghost rider for the season finale. But first, let's look at one of this season's villains, Izell. Dr. Benson has linked Izell to Incan mythology, and the closest goddess I could find was Ixchel, who seems to be a goddess in the Mayan mythology. She was presented several different ways, as the goddess of fertility and eventually of death or war uh, were just two. Dr. Benson found mythology that said thousands of years ago she escaped from a realm of fear and darkness. And after she escaped, she tried to track down relics from her realm called the Dialis to regain power. She left a path of destruction wherever she went, destroying worlds looking for them. I am positing that Ezel and the spirit of vengeance came from the same realm when they both fought over control of the monoliths. My theory is that Sarge is Coulson, brought forth by the spirit of vengeance, so we have the exact DNA match. I think spirit of vengeance is using Sarge as a host in this current fight against Ezel as proof I offer what Sarge has said. He fights out of hate and the want of vengeance. With five episodes left in the season, we'll find out very soon. If I'm correct, Friday can't come quickly enough. Your friend, Bob, I should add that this was this comment was left three days ago, so we had not seen this episode yet, had Robert. That is a phenomenal bit of analysis here. And as you're reading it, Pete, I uh, checked out Ixchel, I-X-C-H-E-L on uh, Wikipedia. I certainly cannot claim to have read the entire article while also listening to Robert's uh, wise words there. But I feel like he's on to something here in terms of the, the real world touchstone the real world foundation for this character uh does it automatically mean that our shield character you know is everything that this article says relationship to the moon and you know rain goddess and things like that no but 
I think he has built a really, really, really solid theory here. And I think that we should watch out for many, many aspects uh, from it in these episodes to come. Thoughtful indeed, Bob. Tracy Prouty writes in, I discovered your podcast only during season five and really enjoy your recaps and commentary. It wasn't until this episode of uh, season six, and she's referring to episode 606, Inescapable, that I remembered I needed to catch up on your thoughts because I was blown away with this episode. It made me think this show has some of the best writing on television right now. I laughed and it took turns I never expected. Very Whedon-esque. I was so surprised to listen to the podcast and find you didn't feel quite the same. However, everyone has opinions and no hate here for disagreeing. You have not lost a listener in me. In fact, I am just starting season one, episode one, to relive the show, and maybe I'll go back and hear the early podcasts. Oh, Agent Ward, we were so young and trusting. Smiley emoji. Well, what means the most from that message there is that, you know, you and I, Pete, were disagreeing with her in terms of the the take of a particular episode, but that we could disagree and it still be cordial and still be an engaging listen on our end and, and all of that. Certainly, have there been episodes that that we haven't loved this season? Yeah, but hopefully it's always been from the realm of inside the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. family. And, you know, if there's a narrative this or a visual that that we're not crazy about, you know, it's we're not out to hate on the show here. We're not hate watching at all. It's just, you know, we want to we want to hold every episode to a high standard. And I feel like she gets that. And that is uh, that that's a huge compliment. You know, we had received a nasty review to iTunes within the last 10 days, basically to the effect of why do you watch this if you hate it? We don't watch this out of hate. We both love this show. This is the Marvel Cinematic Universe mothership. We will be with this till the end. And, uh, you know, any criticism we would have of it would be brought forth out of love and not hate. Which brings us to iTunes, Matt, where LM23 has left a review here headlined, Never Skip Dessert, five stars. And it reads, my shield fix is not complete till I've geeked out with Matt and Pete. Well, thank you there to be the dessert of the show uh, for for someone's listening experience. That certainly means a lot. And, you know, we love the iTunes reviews, and that's that's an important way for us to get connected to new listeners and whatnot. But if you agree with us, I mean, obviously, you know, again, we love the reviews. I'm not trying to, to downplay them. But if you agree with us, feel free to reach out. If you disagree with something that we're saying, feel free to reach out. We're always willing to have that conversation and I think that one of the one of the bonuses of shield being broadcast weekly and as opposed to the Netflix dump of a season and honestly broadcast on a broadcast network also I know uh, in the UK they're only a few weeks behind us now as opposed to you know some of the other shows oh it's on freeform it's on hulu it's a little bit less easy to get to is we can have that discussion and have that back and forth. There's sometimes, Pete, that you and I sit down to a podcast, and it's like, all right, what do we have for Luke Cage episode 210 mailbag? All right, well, nobody's really writing in at that point because a whole bunch of people have already listened, or they've already watched, or this, that, the other. S.H.I.E.L.D. being that mothership, keep that conversation going. Agree, disagree, new thoughts, old thoughts. I mean, my goodness, Pete, everybody who just heard Robert T. Frost's words is now better for it as they watch for clues, whether he's completely right, completely wrong, or somewhere in the middle. We now have these guideposts, not because of Matt, not because of Pete, but because of him. And uh, that's a dialogue that is really, really enriching. Why I think there'll always be a place in our culture for appointment viewing or one week at a time, one episode at a time viewing as opposed to the binge model. We could do a whole podcast on this topic, Pete, but I will say in one sentence, I think the time will come, eh, maybe next five years, I think the time will come where 
the granddaddy of it all, Netflix, will switch to a weekly model because then they're, you know, it won't just be, oh, CBS All Access does this to stretch out subscriptions. Okay, that may be true. Uh, but, you know, Pete, you watch Stranger Things in a handful of days. I'm making my way through it a, a bit more slowly. I'm not enjoying it any less than you did, I think. But guess what? We haven't been able to discuss it off air for fun <laughs> because we're on different timetables which netflix says is okay versus not for nothing shield fans you know if you can watch live great you know you watch at some point in the week so that you're caught up for the next one for the next week so that way you don't pop on you know a week from now and go oh man sarge is dead what did i miss so maybe pete that was more than one sentence but it's all about that dialogue pete how can people be in touch with you to talk about agents of shield let's keep this back on track here you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,583 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. That's what we've been saying. Go to Fantastic Geek, comment there, reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, for those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, going to be talking something Marvel movie in the next couple of days. We have more Jessica Jones coming your way as we start to wrap up that journey of the third and final season. And then, of course, back next weekend to talk more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as that starts to reach its home stretch for season six. It's this weird freedom, though. We know there's the next season coming, so it's the first time ever that we're not getting to the end of a S.H.I.E.L.D. season with, with tension in our tummies. Pete, what else do we have to look forward to? Of course, we will be covering the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, panel from San Diego Comic-Con, along with all the other panels of content we podcast. You got your Star Trek universe between star trek picard star trek discovery star trek lower decks going to be some footage i'm sure coming out of that star wars the mandalorian coming to disney plus in november i haven't heard about watchmen matt but i wouldn't rule that out uh yeah i think there were i think there have been rumblings of it being at comic-con Although it's probably a little difficult to cut through, you know, all this Star Trek coming and Star Wars presentation and Marvel movie. Well, there's be some, you know, I, so I think kind of Watchmen as the established property, but the unestablished television property, it, it, it might have some trouble cutting through ahead of time. So all the more reason to bring the wow at the convention. But Pete, with all that wow, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. No one slows us down. <laughs>